Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast. It is Sunday, April 26th. We are recording today. This is likely going to post on Tuesday. This is the Celtics Pride feed on the Celtics blog podcast feed. Uh, Each of our episodes starts with Celtics Pride, so you'll find it there. And we are the Celtics Big Three. I'm Adam Motenko. I'm here with my identical twin brother, Josh Motenko. That's right, everybody. Half the egg, twice the man. Adam, thank God we're not conjoined, huh? Yeah, I, there's a lot of areas on my body I don't want connected to yours. And I our know, good friend right? Mike Minkoff. How's it going, Mike? It's good. So I'm obviously the Larry Bird. I'm just trying to figure out which one you guys are. I'm Mikhail. I'm I'm KG. <laughs> <laughs> we're mixing eras. Okay, today on the pod, we're going to talk about some recent news. We're going to talk about whether it, we're going to answer the question of whether Jason Tatum is a top 10 asset in the NBA. And we're going to talk about players we wish the Celtics had on our team. Starting off with recent news, Josh, you've been, uh, you were just telling me about how the NBA is reopening some practice facilities. Interesting. Yeah, the players, uh, they, they know now that they can go to 24 hour fitness in Atlanta and they're wondering if they can fly over there. You know, get some some shots up. Uh, yeah, I, I know that the NBA is trying to get things opened up so that people can start working out again. I don't know if that means that there's any hope. I still say no, um, but at least it's a glimmer, maybe. Um, and and it seems like they're also very cautious about this because obviously things can change governmentally at any time. But also, they don't want to give any advantage to certain teams in certain states where the uh, the government regulations have been more relaxed, like in Georgia, uh, which coincidentally is is where Jalen Brown is. And uh, he's saying, don't listen to the government, the end of the government shutdown, uh, stay at home orders that they have. He's saying, continue to stay at home. That's the smart thing to do. Mike, are you excited for the NBA to return now that practice facilities are opening up again? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to the 2020-21 season, um, and I, I I really just hope that the league is able to start up in in September or October, um, which I would say still is uncertain. Yeah, my what I I mean clearly this is a response to to as Josh mentioned states uh, starting to open up again, and it just. We're all going to die, so get ready for that, because uh, that's the wrong move to open up again, given this wow. virus. And uh, and and my understanding was that the players started asking, uh, like you said, Josh, can I fly into these states and go to the gym? And so the teams basically said to the league, hey, listen, if we're going to have our, our players flying to these places, which they can do, let us just open up our facilities for individual workouts. So we're not talking about team full full five-on-five practices. We're probably not even talking about one-on-one. It's individual workouts at this point. Um, So maybe Jason Tatum will finally find a hoop as Danny Ainge was offering his own to him at his house. I'm sure he's he's got rebounders there with his kids as well. Adam, my question for you is, does the way that states are starting to reopen, and based on the comment you just made, I have a slight guess as to your answer, but does the way that states are starting to reopen make you more or less confident in the outcome of your bet, favoring you specifically? That's a good question. I actually, I think it makes me more confident because, I mean, there's just this ridiculous hubris that that people protesting have that uh, that their freedom, in quotes, is more important than than people's lives. Uh, and that's just the wrong move. I think it's you're gonna it's gonna result in a, another upswing of cases and and deaths related to the virus. But in terms of my bet, the fact that political will is moving in this direction, even temporarily, uh, I think it makes it more likely that we will that that the the league or or the powers that be will figure out a way to uh, have games without fans. Um, allow teams to to take the requisite couple of weeks to practice and get back in shape and uh, and have these playoffs. I mean, look, I to be completely honest, I'm not super confident in my side of the bet, but I I'm still glad I made it, and I'm excited about these two meals I'm going to get from you guys. Yeah, I would. I wish. I mean, let's double or nothing. I, I'm. <laughs> I want two meals to get from you. Um, I th- no, thank I'd, you. Say, I'd say. <laughs> I'd say what's going to happen. You know, if our bet was, 
whether another game was going to be played this season, which it's not. You were very clear that a champion will be crowned different. Yes, um, for the 20. I would say this is making it more likely that some games will be played and even more likely that because there will be another increase and spike in cases the league will have to shut it down that's it that's my that's where that's what i'm seeing the piece of this here too is is you know it's open for individual workouts or for for one-on-one workouts right so it's not just one person entering the building and shooting and then disinfecting the ball there's going to be someone rebounding or someone passing or some coach working with a player and that's when you start getting into well we don't know if anyone is asymptomatic and carrying the disease. And, and there's no way to really know that as far as I understand it at this time. So it, I agree with Adam, it is playing with fire a little bit. But it's also the first step in seeing whether we can reopen as a league or not. And, you know, we'd want to take that first baby step and see how things go for a little bit um, as players get back into shape. Yeah, I still fully disagree with that, because there's still the moral hazard of the league needing tests to determine that people are asymptomatic, um, or or not just asymptomatic, but are are not carrying, and those tests are in insufficient supply on a on a national level, not to mention global level. So I just I just think it's it's letting one wrong wrong move at a, a governmental level dictate a wrong move by the NBA. Have you guys heard that uh, the tests may be not as accurate as we would want a, a test to be? It depends which test you're talking about. The, the antibody test has like a two percent error rate, is what I saw. I think I think like the swab to detect presence of the actual virus is pretty accurate, is my understanding. Yeah, there is so much we don't know about uh, the the tests and this disease. I was I've been binge watching the I, I want to say Dan Clore's the ESPN documentary, not the Chicago Bulls one, but the 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 a love story one from a few years ago. And I, I recently watched the episode uh, on magic, um, which I remember from when I was a kid. But um, and, and a part of it that I definitely remember was how uh, other players in the league, Mark Price, Carl Malone, said they were not going to play with Magic Johnson after he got the HIV virus because they were afraid of getting it. And even Kevin McHale had a quote that they showed where he said, all it takes is for one other person to contract this disease, and it's just uh, a travesty. And and he, the difference is that I'm seeing a similar reaction to this that they're they're preventing that idea from happening. The big difference is that uh, we knew a lot more about HIV at that time than we know about this disease now. But it's interesting that that the parallels that I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, there was also a lot of ignorance around HIV as far as how it spread and didn't spread, and and the way this spreads is obviously much more nefarious. Uh, within the context of like the way that the NBA operates. Do we know exactly how COVID-19 spreads and, and how it does not? Not exactly, but, but it's yeah. more than just, you know, either sexually transmitted or blood to, you know, blood to blood sure. things like, you know, we know, we knew at that time HIV died with exposure to oxygen. We, we know very little about how COVID spreads aside from the fact that it's highly contagious. Um, Dr. Mike, Dr. Adam. Do you think we could talk about the NBA on this podcast? Yeah, I was going to say the other big news, huge news from last week is that the Chicago Bulls played a season in 1997-98 that Michael Jordan played on that team and and they recorded it. And that's all anybody can talk about. Poor sports starved media and fans. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing else to talk about that in the NFL draft, apparently. When Jason Tatum made his move towards the end of this, this season that happened recently, uh, and and got the does he have do we think he has the nickname uh that, that lebron gave the problem him? that is a terrible the nickname problem? he seemed to no. like it he he in an interview recently he seemed okay with it i think it's a horrific nickname you find it problematic well when wow. when he wow, when Adam. he when he made his move here i started thinking about how how good of an asset is jason tatum and and it's it's a front office perspective. So forgive me, Jason, for not treating you like like a human being for a moment here. Commoditize those players. <laughs> when you think about Jason Tatum as a commodity, is he a top ten asset in the league? And I want to answer this question together. So what I've done here is I've made a list of the top thirty or so assets in the league. 
And I want to go over them with, with both of you. And I want to uh, compare each player to Jason Tatum. And I, when you're thinking about them as an asset, this is not uh, who is the best player in the NBA. It's not that kind of a list. This is, when, when I, we think about asset, we are thinking about individual productivity. Are you putting numbers up? Think I, I think of Russell Westbrook as a great example of individual productivity. The guy won an MVP because of it. So that's one piece. The second piece is contribution to winning or value to a team. So you may, I mean, Russ is a great example of, of the antithesis of this, but there may be players who uh, don't put stats up but contribute a lot to winning on the court. They may contribute a lot to winning off the court. They, when when KG came to this team, he changed the culture of the team. Marcus Smart is a great example of, of a player who contributes to winning and value to a team. And then the third piece is value to uh, the city or fan attachment or interest. So I think of, I mean, Paul Pierce, uh, when he was traded to, to Brooklyn, fans had a hard time with it. And the reason was because he meant so much to the city. He brought a championship to the city. That's why Red didn't trade Larry and Kevin and, and Parrish. Um, so I think about players like Joel Embiid, huge fan attachment in Philadelphia. I think about Stephen Curry. He is the Golden State Warriors. They didn't hand the team over to Kevin Durant. I think there's a debate about who's better there. It's Steph's team. Zion has a huge fan city uh, fan attachment. I don't know if there's a city attachment yet, but Zion is a marketing behemoth. Yao Ming is another great example of value uh, as an yeah. asset because of fan interest. So just to recap, individual productivity, contribution to winning slash value to a team, and fan or city attachment. Are there any pieces, important pieces to an asset that you think I've missed here? Uh, no. I don't think so. I guess my, my main question is, so are we looking at this as the general manager of the team that the player is on? Uh, as opposed to the owner or as, as opposed or to owner, yourself or right owner. now? As opposed to, right, as opposed to ourselves as an outsider. So like if, if we're talking about Steph and we're considering his relative value as an asset, are we doing that? If we're factoring in their, the fan city attachment, we're doing that as if we're the kind of owner or GM of that team, yeah. right? Of the yeah. Warriors. Okay. Or, or even a fan who can do this objectively without bringing your own personal feelings into it, since that's not one of the uh, metrics that we just described. So, but this is not if we were the Celtics GM, who would we rather have or who, yeah. you know, ask that to the Mike Celtics organization? But not specifically the Celtics. Like we're looking at it. From right. both GM, both GMs, yeah, from right. the players, yeah, yes, from both perspectives, yes. Yeah. I thought about what's the real question here. I think it's the question is who is a better asset. It's not who says no in a trade like a Bill Simmons trade value column, because there's plenty of times where each team is going to say no because the value to the city, the city fan attachment is too high, or or that sort of a thing. Um, so this is who is a better asset as a as a general manager. Any other questions or should we jump in? Let's do this. Actually, before I get to the first person, there's an assumption here, okay? And that is team control. So when a player comes into the league, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, a general manager of that team assumes a certain number of years of team control. You have your rookie contract, which is four years, and then you have an additional five-year extension if the player is good enough, a five-year max extension, nine years total. Did, did I get that math right? Of player <laughs> control? Of player control. Sounds right to me. Okay. So the first person on my list here is the reigning MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's 25 years old. He's got one more year on his contract, and then he will be of uh, sort of team control, and then he will be a, um, a free agent, an unrestricted free agent. Jason Tatum, 22 years old. We can assume that he has six years left of team control, and I, I want to work with that assumption. So this guy's should get a five-year max extension after playing his, uh, next year. Actually, he should get it this year, but he'll still have one year of his rookie contract left. And then he'll start the five years after that. So he's got six years of control. So that's the assumption with Tatum for this exercise. So would you rather have Tatum with six more years of team control or Giannis with one? Yes. Okay. That was clear. <laughs> any, any other discussion on that? <laughs> no, I mean... 
obviously there's risk, right? If you're talking about only one year remaining with Giannis, but he is that so good. far and away the 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 most intriguing and valuable asset uh, in the league uh, that you you roll the dice for one year of him with the hopes that you can retain him. Great. So the next person I have is Kawhi. He's got one more year on his contract, and then he has another player option after. And this assumes this. All of this assumes this year is over. You're welcome. So one year, and he's got next year, and then he's got a player option after after that, and he's 28. Would you rather rather have Kawhi, or would you rather have Tatum as an asset? Kawhi. This one's harder for me. Wow. Come on. Already. So I would put Kawhi ahead of Giannis. That's absurd. Kawhi went to a team, won them a championship last year. How do you not choose Kawhi? I would choose Kawhi over Giannis for that simple fact. So the, the only argument that you have for Giannis is that Kawhi may not be loyal. That's, so there's that's a, an the issue worry. With that. That's the worry I have with Kawhi. Um, I mean, in theory, the Celtics could have had Kawhi for one year by trading Tatum or Brown, and they opted not to. And I think they made the right decision. That was that was when Good Tatum and Brown had one or two years additional, and there was a, and that was before Kawhi proved to be able to maintain his health and production at, at an elite enough level through a season and playoffs to actually lead Toronto to a championship. But still between the, the concerns and risks around Kawhi's injury, the fact that he is in the full, his full prowess as an empowered NBA player, meaning that he leverages the, the heck out of the, the general manager and, and basically forces them to kowtow completely to his whims. And, and in turn, the fact that he's, there's no guarantee on how long he's going to stick around due to that loyalty concern. I would, I would much rather have someone like Jason Tatum on my team for six years than Kawhi. I'm not saying Tatum is currently a better player, but of course. I feel better about six years of Jason Tatum than one year and a player option of Kawhi. The argument about not trading Tatum for him is the best argument I think you can make there. It's interesting. You're bringing up that fan and city attachment is far lower with a rental or or a um, mercenary. A mercenary. Thank you. So yeah, that's so Mike. I, I I'm going to ask you to keep track of the number of players that you put ahead of Tatum here because I think the question may be: Is he a top five asset for based on how you're answering? Um, I, I'm not sure that's it. We'll see. I don't, okay. uh, but, but I would say that with Kawhi, there's, it's not, it's, it's a little bit of an awkward argument to make, but I'm not convinced that he contributes to a winning culture. He obviously maximizes, raises what? the ceiling. He raises the ceiling of a team. I'm talking about specifically culture, culture, right. culture, culture, not, not outcomes. There's no question that Toronto's ceiling was higher and uh, last year with Kawhi on it. There's no question that the Clippers' ceiling is higher this year with Kawhi on it. Um, that said, I still think everything about him undermines kind of a connective team culture. Wow. Um, and I think wow. Toronto is proving that they had an extraordinarily strong culture um, that, frankly, withstood a his kind of sudden arrival and b his sudden departure and they still were able to perform at an elite level and i think that speaks more to the guys on toronto's roster than it does to um you know Kawhi's direct impact on culture on winning culture so look you can't tell him josh you can't you can't come into a winning culture which toronto had before Kawhi and has after but you can't if you're Kawhi, you can't come into a winning culture and raise them to a championship level when they had never won a championship in their existence. And then say, and then have Mike Minkoff say, you're not part of a winning culture, or you don't create culture, or you're bad for culture. If you wouldn't win the championship if you, if you had negative culture, especially with a team that was as deep where they really relied on so many people as that team was. Um, and, Aren't there, and I think there are plenty of teams as, that have won championships with negative culture. Yeah, but they had like... Three, they were surrounded by like three stars surrounded by other players. This Toronto Raptors team that won last year was a team full of contributors, full of ball movement. Um, they were and one of Kawhi. the deeper teams in the league. Right, and Kawhi, of course. And Kawhi led them as a unit to the championship. It's not like the, the, you saw selfishness out of Kawhi and that he you know, like took over games when other players didn't want him to or against the coach's will. or There was no negative teammate talk 
at all. Everything is, says everything supports that Kauai is positive for culture. Um, I, I don't and, agree with that statement, Adam. Where do you, where do you fall on that? Um, I think that you are undervaluing Kawhi. I think that he, the Clippers were my favorite to win the championship. I think he would have won it again. I think you got to give him the edge for for asset. And Kawhi. he's proven it. He's proven yep. that he's he's proven that he's better than Giannis because not only is the, he the best two way player in the game, but he can shoot. I would rather put my money in someone who can shoot and do it all and lead my team to a championship. And the fact that the Celtics didn't trade for him. I think is a great argument. However, you know, Danny obviously did research that he wasn't going to stay in Boston, specifically Boston. And so, you know, if we were Miami or if we were in a different place, maybe Kawhi, you know, especially let's say we were in LA, you know, but we're the Boston Celtics run by Danny Ainge, you know, now all of a sudden you're going to get Kawhi to stay longer. So the fact that the Celtics didn't trade Tatum for him is, is kind of misguided. Because as I understand it, Adam, we're doing this based on we're a random GM. We're not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, this might be a case where neither team would have done that deal. Tatum was a, a borderline all-star until he made a leap. And obviously the future looks very bright, but I mean, you got to take a sure thing. You have to go for the championship. Kawhi is the best way to do that. Celtics didn't even trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi. Right, but that doesn't mean that the other team would have taken that, that deal especially in a normal situation like this. Kawhi was done in San Antonio. Am I nitpicking by saying that the location of the Celtics plays is, is important in here in this argument that's supposed to be arbitrary without location? I don't think it is supposed to be arbitrary without location. No, I, I, I agree. I don't know that. I don't think the Clippers would agree that you would rather have six years of Tatum than one and one of Kawhi. And, and maybe there are four or five locations in the league where the one and one of Kawhi makes more sense but to me most most places he's going to be I would rather I would rather have the the control of Tatum and the personality of Tatum as my superstar than Kawhi speaking of control I feel like Kawhi uh showed that he's the number one asset in the entire league by taking control of his entire free agent or his entire trade process and creating for the first time ever you know a deal for for another star player to be dealt to the team that he wants. I mean, he orchestrated like a, a puppeteer the entire thing. Yep. He and LeBron, those are the only two players that can really do that right now. Yeah, that's proof that he's ahead of Kawhi or ahead of Giannis. Okay, but but it's okay to disagree. It sounds like Jason Tatum might be the number two asset in Mike's list. <laughs> no, he <laughs> is, I assure player. you he is not. <laughs> Let's get to the next player on my list. I have Anthony Davis, speaking of controlling the the future of other players. Anthony Davis has a player option after this season. Uh, so it's unclear whether there's any team control, but I'm assuming that the team he's on, that he's going to resign. He's 27. He's probably going to make, uh, what, th- almost 40 million a year? Above 40? Unclear what the cap looks like compared to Jason Tatum, who's going to make 10 million next year. And then we'll be making a 30 ish, we'll say, per year uh, on his extension. So six years of Jason Tatum control or the player option of Anthony Davis? Who's a better asset? Anthony Davis. Mike? I guess it's got to be Anthony Davis. Uh, I would like him to have had a little bit more winning in his career prior to joining the Lakers. And now the Lakers don't even have good plus minus when LeBron's off the court, even when AD's on. But he's undeniably super talented. I think if uh, Danny Ainge knew that Anthony Davis would sign for two or three years, he would trade. Oh, uh, there's no question. There's no question yep. Danny Ainge would do that. Okay. Anthony Davis is on my list of players who've never proven anything in the playoffs. And I'm not even that big of a fan of his, but you're an idiot if you're not, if you're not taking him over Jason Tatum right now. And I'm not an idiot. So. But again, the que- I mean, what if we take <laughs> geography into this? So if, if it's Anthony Davis not on the Lakers where he again strong armed his way and almost any other location if you had him on just a player option you wouldn't want him over six years of Tatum okay I think we need to make a decision about whether geography is factoring in and we're doing it this more from a Celtic standpoint and the cold weather your game your rules Adam you tell us yeah let's get get rid of geography let's not start rank Thank ordering you. the cities that that players are like Okay, next on the list is Steph Curry. He's got two more years at 44 million. He's already 32 years old as a little guy. Would you rather have Steph with that situation or JT? Steph Curry. Uh, Steph is awesome. Uh, Steph is everything. Super talented, has all of the intangibles for an elite level leader. 
super humble as far as team dynamics and just like a joy to watch. Got to go with Steph. Steph's proven it. LeBron James is next on the list. He's got one more year and then he's got a player option. Uh, He's making about 40 million a year. You know, LeBron's like the sixth highest paid player in the league. He should be making more. He's already 35 though. Would you rather have him or Jason Tatum? LeBron James. LeBron James could play until he's 44 years old. Do you really think LeBron so? James is not playing nine more years? No, he's not going to. But he's got another nine years in him. He could. Just Kevin, Kevin Willis did play to 42, right? Yeah, yeah. Parrish played to 45. I could see LeBron James being a, you know, a slow, old power forward, like still going, still leading teams, still grabbing rebounds and taking it coast to coast, but defending bigger players you know, on the other end of the floor. I, I could see him aging really well in certain positions. The slow old version of LeBron James is still like probably barely post prime Carl Malone. <laughs> it's like still a ridiculously <laughs> talented player. <laughs> He's kind of like uh like Magic Johnson when he came back the second time when he was like overweight and just diming people up, not playing much D, throwing up old school hook shots. Yeah, the whole the whole comparison works. Okay, next on the list is James Harden. He's got two years plus a player option at about 43 mil. He's 30 years old. Him or JT? I'd go with Harden's him as well. I mean, yeah. he's he's super good. <laughs> he's an elite score. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I quite agree with the order that these have been put in, but but well, as clearly far as you relative don't. to JT. No, but uh, I mean amongst each other themselves. Sure. And and this was not this I didn't take painstaking time to make sure that I this was a ranked order list for me. Yeah. But I, I feel good about where they are people are at this point. Uh and that's and I do find I mean, I do think Kawhi is a top three asset. Yep. Anything else on Harden? Any concerns about the fact that he dominates the ball and that you have to build your entire team around him? Yeah, I mean I, I you know, I, I'm a Harden hater. I, I don't like his game. I don't like watching it. I wouldn't want him on my team. But if I'm a, a random general GM across the league with no location involved, you got to take Harden over Tatum. You know, he's just, he's a, he's a better player. He's legendary. You know, he's established and he still has, you know, two, maybe three more years on his contract. So I can't remember the article. I was reading something about um, how Tatum, oh, I, I think it was on The Ringer, about how Tatum has the potential to be a star and sort of ball hog uh, or uh, primary ball handler um, in an offense, but that he can also fit into any offense and that the the flexibility of his game is one of the the things that is really nice about him. And Harden definitely does not have that, at least in his current iteration. Right. And that's why I would put, you know, guys like Luka Doncic or definitely Kevin Durant above Harden in my book. Okay. The next name on the list is Luka Doncic. He's 21. He's got seven years of team control left. Would you rather have Luka or would you rather have Tatum? So Luka for me would be a might be a number one or number two asset in the league, period. Like what he's wow. doing at year age, he's he was age 20 to start the season. Uh, I, I believe he's 21 now, but what he's doing is has not been done by someone of his age. He is unbelievably good. Um, and, and you have, you know, him under contract in effect for seven more years. If you were starting a franchise today, I feel like it it would be either Luca or Giannis. Like, I I think that would be, those would be your pick, your picks. God, I, yeah, I I would also put Luca as a top, maybe six asset in the league. I wouldn't put him top three because we still have question marks with him around his durability, uh, how he, handles his body and you know whether he's actually going to get into to proper shape um but i totally agree what he's doing has never been done i think those are that's exactly how you should have described it you know he's so young and he he has changed around his team just single-handedly into a winning organization and you know is racking up triple doubles without having empty stats like westbrook you know he's he's plays the game the right way, plays it the team, plays a team version, and can do everything on the court. So I agree, he's he's up there, and he's better than than Tatum, a better asset than Tatum right now. Obviously, since I haven't uh, mentioned Tatum yet, I I will take all of these players above Tatum. 
The only player with more years of team control I have on this list than Luca is Zion Williamson with eight years of team control after this year. He's only 19. He's a phenom. Would you rather have Zion or Tatum? I think Zion has unquestionably a higher ceiling. His early health issues and weight issues scare me. I'm sure 100 out of 100 GMs would pick Zion over Tatum. But I, I would feel a lot safer with Tatum. I take Zion. I think that's an easy one. I think that the, the question marks about his injuries, you just have to look at how he reacted to them, which was get me back on the court. Stop putting me on the bench. You know, like he's a gamer. He wants to be in there. He'll play through pain and, because he just loves the game. But that's not always he a good that thing. at Duke. Especially for someone I, I, that, I agree. that, I that agree. has it's knee not issues thing. and that has a propensity to balloon. I just were, I mean, yeah, like I said, he's unquestionably got a higher ceiling than Tatum. There's no, there's no doubt about that. But those injuries are scary to me with someone that relies so much on such elite athleticism. So you would really take Tatum over Zion in this situation? Adam, do Mike? we have access to the medicals? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yes or no, Mike? I, yes, you do. Um, I don't know. It would depend on those medicals. <laughs> yes or no, Mike? You got to take either Luca, uh, sorry, either Zion or Tatum. Yeah, what are you Luca. Doing? I take Luca. <laughs> Next. I think I heard Mike take Tatum there. I, 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 would, I would probably take Zion with clenched teeth. <laughs> Nobody's forcing you into this, Mike. I know. So I, I, it I sounds, would... all right. So it sounds like you're taking uh, Zion because of peer pressure. And so I've got Mike as uh, taking seven players so far ahead of Tatum and Josh for taking all eight as am I. The next player on the list, number nine, nine. on my list, is Pascal Siakam. I he's would got definitely five take, years. I would 100% take Tatum over Siakam. He, he's got, let me finish. He's got five years of team control. He's 26 years old. You would definitely take Tatum. Easy. Adam, you don't have Josh? to finish. I would take Tatum over Siakam too. All he right. should not be in the top 10. Why did you okay. put Siakam in your top 10, Adam? Uh, because I didn't go through to to call them well. So next Adam, on the why list, did you put Siakam over Tatum because I because I thought there's a legit argument so, uh, until uh, the last two months of the season. Siakam was a sure bet as a better asset to me. He can do more. Uh, he can uh, defend far better. More positions. I don't know if that's true. And he's four years older. If if it, if he was only one year older, which is what the relative length of, of time that they're under contract contractual control would suggest, then yeah. it would be a much, then I think it would almost be a toss up, but the, the four year age difference and how, how much Tatum blossomed over the first part of this year to me makes it a no brainer in Tatum's favor. I am revising my list. So I have, I have Tatum next, which would be, which would make him. So I w- moving Siakam below Tatum. I have Tatum at number nine right now. Uh, the next person on the list is Kevin Durant. Josh, uh, at K- number KD eleven. Has, let me, stop taking my list as like a, a rank order. It's not okay. Uh, it's just for this conversation. So KD's got two more years plus a player option. He turns thirty-two in September. He's got an injury history now uh, in the lower legs, which is never good for basketball players. Josh, you said you would take him above Tatum. Explain yes. yourself. It's easy. He's a top three player in the league with Giannis and Kawhi, um, unquestionably. And, you know, coming off of an injury, yes, there's a little bit of pause there, but not enough to to take a a 22-year-old who, you know, has been up and down and and has a super bright future, but who hasn't proven anything, especially in the playoffs. I mean, Kevin Durant has won. He's won big. He's, He's proven himself on both ends of the floor. He's proven that he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been a, a cancer, despite I think what Draymond would say. Um, and yeah, I think I think that you can't dispute. He, he's he's proven it. He's the top three asset. I'm yeah, surprised I you have know. him as a top three player, Josh. I think LeBron's better than than KD. I'm questioning his effectiveness after coming back from this injury and. Uh, He's now he is out of his prime. So his prime is over. Draymond Green came out recently, and you know, obviously, there's there's a lot of dead air right now and nothing going on. So he, you know, everyone 
is hearing Draymond and what he's saying. And what he's saying is that after they won it and with KD and KD was not anointed better than LeBron, that that hurt KD. And that's when kind of KD started to, to think a little differently about why is Steph shooting that shot or why is Clay shooting that shot or why aren't they passing, you know, and, and getting a little personal or selfish. Um, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But what I do know is that Kevin Durant proved that he was better than LeBron at that stage and should have been anointed the best player in the league or at least ahead of LeBron. Um, and what do you mean at that you know, stage? beat him in the playoffs. When, when they beat Cleveland and KD outplayed LeBron in the finals, KD should have been anointed better than LeBron. And I think I he has a right to be frustrated for, not, for that not happening. I mean, he, he talked about that. You know, Bill Simmons, when he interviewed him, they talked about that a little bit. Um, I don't think that that means he should be, you know, pouting or, or, or making things personal on the team and ruining chemistry if that indeed did happen. But, um, but KD is a better, was a better player in that series and, and proved that he was better than LeBron. I disagree with a lot of things you've said, Josh. <laughs> so I don't know where to start. Um, start with I, the injury because that's the only evidence I, I see. Well, I, that's definitely that's definitely one of them. I definitely have more concern over um, how KD is going to come back, especially given uh, this layoff and lack of access to kind of elite training and gym facilities um, that players normally would have. Uh, and this would have been kind of the final ramp up period for KD's recovery. So I'm I'm wondering how that's going to impact his ability to kind of get back to normal, or maybe it won't have any impact at all um i agree with the idea that when healthy he's a top four player um i'm with adam that he's right there with i mean i'm not sure that anybody has has the right to be over lebron in the league if if we're just talking about one player for a year even now lebron is kind of out of this world good um but if we're talking about i mean josh you and i clearly value differently um the what a player can offer in the next one or two seasons versus what they can offer over the next you know five five to seven in this conversation um so i'm with adam i would probably lean towards tatum i mean it's some of the similar stuff and and concerns that i had with Kawhi, uh though in this case durant's four years older and more immediately coming off that injury and he's also and he's also been he has been kind of somewhat consistently a, a locker room malcontent in the, in the recent years. And yeah. like, and he actively wants to play with Kyrie. If that doesn't tell you something's wrong with him, then I don't know what does. <laughs> Josh, I can't believe that you are anointing KD as a better player or that he proved himself as a better player than LeBron when Golden State beat Cleveland. Given the collection of, of talent that Golden State had, the, the most talent of any team ever, uh, on that Golden State team, where LeBron had had very little, uh, except for Kyrie, and we're now seeing the impact that Kyrie has. Uh, so, I expect Kyrie to show that Kevin Durant is not not able to win championships unless he's got the superior collection of talent around him. No disrespect to KD, he, I agree with Mike. He's number four best player in the league right now. Um, okay, keep track of. of and wait, you wait, wait. Right so you guys. You guys would say too that if you asked NBA players whether they'd rather start a team with Jason Tatum right now or Kevin Durant right now, you think they'd take Tatum? I don't think no, NBA I think it, players are good GMs, so I actually honestly don't care what NBA players would say to that question, and they and they don't and they don't care what I would say, and that's fine. But <laughs> they would look at individual productivity. They would look at contribution to winning and the value to a team in short term. They're not going to think seven years out, and and a GM. No, but when you're evaluating, to... but when you're evaluating who is a better asset, what matters? It does matter what other players think of that player, because other players know how good these dudes are. No, not Jason always. Sometimes better than fans. Not JT always. Is a problem. Is a problem, Josh. <laughs> That's what the league I think thinks. The, I think the respect that KD has around the league, you know obviously far outweighing Jason Tatum matters in this conversation. Yeah, but, but and, he's, and he should be a bit not, ahead of 
He should be ahead of Tatum. He should be ahead of he's, like I, like I said, Josh. We're looking at be different ahead of Harden. We're looking at different factors in this. KD okay. KD is better now. Clearly, every nobody disagrees with that. But if you're thinking about three years from now, when KD's 35 and Jason Tatum's 27, who's who's going to be better? I think Jason Tatum is going to be better, and from then on out. So you, in terms of an asset, you got to pick Tatum. If I knew that um, KD was healthy and like going to return to normal. I would put him above Harden for sure. So he'd be in that like yep. top five-ish conversation. Because I'm uncertain about where he is injury-wise uh, and, and just how high level he's going to be able to perform at coming off that injury. Um, and the fact that he... Doesn't he really only have a one-in-one, Adam, after this season? Did he sign a two-plus-one or did he sign a three-plus-one? I thought it was two after this, but I couldn't. Okay, it, it might be. That might be right. Um but that that would concern me. If you're using the logic that Katie's age implies he's not as good of an asset three years from now than Tatum, then you have to do the same thing for LeBron, who's currently 35, for Harden, who's that's currently right. 30, and for Steph Curry. That's true. That, and that's why I yes. didn't answer as quickly as you guys did on all of those. That's why so I, Adam, I had so you would be putting Adam, you'd be putting Tatum ahead of Harden, LeBron, and Steph? No. I, uh, my, my, I, I, I use the same evaluation for everything I've said so far. I do not think Kevin Durant is going to be the same player when he comes back from this injury. But, and but the age of Harden, LeBron, and Steph don't worry you in three years when compared to Tatum? No, of course they do. But LeBron is the best player in the league, and, and I think you have a 50-50 shot of winning a championship if he's on your team. So uh, I take him. Uh, Harden is just below that. Steph, I'm a little bit more concerned about. But the other thing with some of these other players, like, so Josh, uh, coming back to the initial metrics, individual productivity, contribution to winning and, and value to a team, and um, fan slash city attachment. Kevin Durant has zero fan city attachment. Zero. Whereas Steph has huge value there. LeBron has huge value there. Harden has, has more as well. So that that's a factor there also. I guess I'm not worried about um, KD's ability to create fan attachment when he gets to the city. And I think if you had asked the Warriors what their fan attachment was to KD while he was on the team, it would have been through the roof. So I think fan attachment can come and go quickly. Well, keep track of, uh, of your list here. I think we should move on. The next name I have on here is not actually a name. It's generic number one pick in the draft. You get it for nine years of team control. It's typically a pretty good player. Which year? Uh, we, yeah, so that's why I said generic, because obviously this year it's not as high as it would have been last year. Um, and you saw the fervor that, that happened with the Zion pick and the value that, that may have been considered there. Yeah, and isn't the next, like the 20, the next year's draft is supposed to be crazy good, right? Um, and full of two classes of players. Potentially, Potentially. So that that still isn't certain yet. But yeah, I mean, Tatum or a number one pick. It, I, I don't think I can Tatum. answer that generically. I, I mean, for this coming year, I think I'd rather have Tatum. Two years from now, I'd rather I'd have Tatum. This... Tatum, My Tatum. It, this is a this is clear to me because Tatum is uh, obviously someone who's going to be as good as many number one picks. If you look back at like. You know Yao Ming, and uh, you know just just the the number one picks that don't turn out to be great all stars. You know maybe they're solid players. Andrew Bogut comes to mind. Um, you know there's a lot of misses that are huge that we remember, uh, like Kwame Brown. But then there's a lot that are just solid players or all stars, but not amazing great top twenty players in the league. It's true, but then like people are talking about Cade Cunningham, like he's the next great big thing, right? And the um, the year after that, there's I'm forgetting the name of the prospect, but there's another prospect that's supposed to be unbelievable, I think. So, um, I don't really know. I I mean, generally speaking, I'm I'm with Josh on the you know, bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Um, so I'd probably go with a sure thing. And we talked a few weeks ago or whenever it was about Tatum having the potential to be, at least in my opinion, a top five player in the league. Um, 
and that that being a realistic projection for his career based on the way he performed to start this season uh, and obviously the first two years of his career. So uh, I'll 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 side with Josh here and go with Tatum over the generic number one pick. Mike, your your lack of certainty makes it seem like you would rather have the number one pick in a, in a random draft than Kawhi. It, for all, I, I I don't like the the premise of just a generic pick without knowing the draft <laughs> class. It, it's too hard sure. for my brain to comprehend. <laughs> Fine, I'd rather have Tatum. He should have been the number one pick in his class. Good enough for me. Um, are you guys both looking at this list? Because uh, the rest of the players on here, yes. I'm starting to be like, it starts to get a little clearer to me. Is there anybody else on this list that you feel like you would pick over Tatum? Clay Thompson. That's interesting. I disagree. Easy. With that. Clay Thompson's one of my he's got one of my favorite players, left. one of the best two way players in the league. He's he's a winner. He's he can run your offense if you don't have Steph Curry and, and Kevin Durant. He's got four years left at about thirty eight million a year. He's thirty years old. Yep. I I had Tatum ahead of him. Um I love Clay Thompson, but I would rather have I would rather have Tatum as an asset than Clay Thompson, and I would guess that most GMs would agree with that. I'm not talking about, about which player I'd rather have on my team for to win a championship this year or maybe even next year, but which player would I rather whose whose player would I rather have the rights to um, based on their current contract situation and and age and all of that and, and level of play. It would be Tatum for me. Yeah, I'm going with Tatum also. Josh, anybody else on this list or Mike that you would? Take um, there's other with? people that I'm not clear on that that then it starts to get debatable when you're talking about Donovan Mitchell or Ben Simmons or Bradley Beal. Um, then it starts to get tricky. I I think. Yeah, I don't have anybody that I would definitely take over. Um, I do think looking at this this. Under, understandably not um, set in stone list and, and somewhat uh, not not tightly ordered necessarily. I think Ben Simmons, which is, who's showing up as 25 on here, I would put him closer to Tatum than I would like to admit as a Celtics fan. Um, yeah, I think he's been in the worst possible situation for his his actualization as an NBA player by being paired with Embiid. I think I think his ceiling is much higher than he gets to show on that team. He has elite athleticism. He has a elite vision as a passer. Um, and he's an elite defensive player. Uh, he's an elite rebounder for the point guard position. And he doesn't get to realize most of those skills as a function of playing with um, the last true and legit elite post-up player in the, in the NBA, basically. Um, or one of one of two with Jokic, perhaps. So I think if I think I think we'd have a, be having a very different conversation about Ben Simmons if he was on a team built around him like the Bucks are for Giannis. Yeah, I mean it's the Harden question, except to the extreme. You you have to build your team around Ben Simmons to utilize the value of Ben Simmons, uh, and and his I think his value is so low right now relative to to where it was a year and a half ago. And it's definitely lower than the way you perceive it, uh, but I, I I've been seeing him as a buy low candidate potentially just because it's just not working in Philly. Um, let's talk about his teammate Joel Embiid. That's a really interesting situation. He's got three more years. He's only twenty six, but his injury history is a concern for me, and his and the fact that he he can't guard the perimeter is also a bit of a concern for me. He kind of can guard the perimeter. Um, he, in that he, even when he gets blown by, he typically is able to make it up and, and get a block. He did, he's done that a lot against the Celtics in the playoffs the last couple of years, which has been really annoying. Uh, <laughs> uh, Who would you rather have JT or Embiid? JT, but that's just, I mean, that's at least 60% Boston bias. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I am worried about the injury. I'm worried about his potential to balloon weight wise. Um, if Embiid, I think in his fully realized, you know, ideal self is a, is a better player than JT, but I have less confident. He's going to be that guy. 
And Joe even though Kick he's 26, even, even though Embiid is 26 years old, it's almost like he's 26 going on 30. Like in two years, right. you're going to see him slow down dramatically. He's going to have a shorter career, I think. Uh, and I think, I think a lot of GMs would agree with that. Adam, you had something to say about Jokic? Well, yeah, it's it's a similar-ish situation because of his weight uh, and his his uh, which limits his defense a lot. Uh, clearly, Denver is building around him and they're winning in the regular season. But I would still have JT take JT over Jokic. Yeah, I mean, to me, JT is just more versatile, um, and Jokic. What worries me the most about Jokic is his limitations defensively in in um, you know high high leverage playoff situations. Like it just seems hard to believe that if Jokic is the best player on a team, they're going to be able to compete in a championship. Whereas like the best version of Jason Tatum, which could be realized in the next five to six years, could very well be good enough to be the best player on a championship team. It's not guaranteed. But if I were a GM, I'd, I'd lean in that direction over Jokic. Josh, you seem to like established players. Paul George is making $36 million for another year and then a player option. Would you take him over uh, JT? No, I would take Tatum over Paul George in a heartbeat. I, I've never really thought that Paul George was a number one option on a team, on a, on a winning team. You know, obviously he had some good years in, in Indiana, but um i've never been a huge fan of his game I, i've always kind of seen that he's he's his potential is super high but he hasn't really yeah i don't know i'm just not high on, so you, on paul george you like bradley beal better i like bradley beal better than beal. paul george yeah okay. i think i and, I, and I do too there's a case to be i think brad beal's stock is way down you know not making the all-star team was huge was it was a big deal um, because he's, he he's definitely an all-star. <laughs> he's definitely an all-star. Um, and I think that, you know, you could make a case for Donovan Mitchell. You could even make a, a case for Carl Anthony Towns. And that's where, you know, all these guys, I'm kind of like, oh, that's a good call. I don't know about whether I'd take Tatum over them. And, and probably as a homer, I'd, I'd take Tatum over those guys. Um, but that, to me, that puts Tatum right around like number 10 or 11 on my list. Okay. What about uh, Kemba Walker? I like Kemba, I don't st- but I, T- Tatum's a better asset. I think that's pretty easy. Yeah, I think most Celtics fans could see that. Dame Lillard makes a ton of money, but if that were not the case, I'd... I'd hey, what, he makes like $45 million a year for four more years or something crazy, right? No, it's, it's worse than that. He's owed $250 million over the next like, oh seven God. years. Man, good to be Dame. It's a good hundred million. It's a good hundred million more than anybody else is owed in the NBA, and I don't think his extension kicks in until after next season or something ridiculous. Wow, it's crazy. And then he's going to make fifty million at the end of it. So here's what and I'll say he, about Dame. Sorry, go ahead, Adam. <laughs> I was just going to say, if this cap goes down, that's going to look really ugly. It was already going to be ugly at the end of his career, but go on. I just, it just makes me laugh. It's, it's, it's gross. They basically paid him for the city attachment value. Which sometimes you have to do in a small market. Um, yep. But he, all I'll say about Dame, and I'm glad you have it this way, uh, he he is, what, the second best point guard in the league? And he, should, he doesn't often get talked about that way with Steph being number one and Harden not being counted that way or Luca or any of those guys. Um, I feel like people put, talk about him and Kyrie interchangeably or put Kyrie ahead of him. And I think, I think Dame probably as a function of being on the West coast and in a smaller market, doesn't get as much respect or attention as he should from across the NBA landscape. So I I appreciate you having him kind of above Kyrie and Kemba and some of the other point guards that uh, we're not even interchanged with in my, we're not going in my nebulous order anymore anyway, but I've also got Trey Young on here. Josh, you're a huge Trey Young fan. You've got seven years of control. Would you take Trey Young over J- Jason Tatum? Uh, no, I'm a huge Trey Young fan because I love watching him play. But as a GM, I'm not taking him and having to deal with the defensive liability that he is and having to cover up for his mistakes on that end of the floor. Uh, I would definitely take Tatum over him. But I love watching him play. 
And and another okay. person that didn't even make your top thirty on the list that I think should be a part of this conversation is Ja Morant. Ooh, yeah, but not above Tatum in my opinion. But I hear you. No, yeah, agreed. Josh, would you take Trey over Kyrie? <laughs> I would. Um, heartbeat. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Easy. I would too. I would I'd even take, take just Devin about Booker. anybody. I would take just about anybody over Kyrie after after the Boston experience. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> I'm really skewed. Would Kyrie you take Devin Booker questions. over him? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Kyrie is raising questions about whether he is, provides positive value to a team. In my opinion, he's immensely talented, and one on one is a top five player in the league. But on a team, I mean, I you guys, do you remember me saying that I that uh, I wish he hadn't had played uh, played in the playoffs last year. Like I think the team would have done better without him yeah. on the team. And yeah. Mike, I think I told you this. And That's you, what happened. Completely disagreed, but yeah, I, I question whether he adds value or takes it away. I think it's a fair question. I have nothing more to say on that. Okay, here's 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 the last name that I think is interesting to talk about. Brad Stevens has two more years on his contract, if my research is correct. I don't know how much he makes. Uh, would you rather have Brad Stevens with two years of team control and assumedly more, or Jason Tatum? We don't have to pick. It's great. Wow. Wow. For this exercise you do, Josh, Cop thoughts? out. <laughs> Cop out, Minkoff. Uh, I would take Jason. Oh, God, that's tough. It's a tough call. I mean, Brad... He sets up the culture, and you know he's he's an integral part of of winning. And I think he's proven that, and he could probably do that elsewhere in the league if he was in a different city or with a different GM. I think that he'd still result in wins. And at the at the end of the day, you know the players win the games. So um, that's a really tough question. Do we have to answer that question? Mike does now. Yeah. I'd, I'd take Tatum. I think I would go Stevens with the belief Whoa. that... Whoa! Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, I don't like either answer, but I, th- I think Stevens... I'm so Steven, glad I put him I th- on the list. I think Stevens has some... Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of talking myself out of it as I'm saying it because I was going to say, I think he has harder to replicate replicate characteristics among coaches than Tatum has among players. But I'm not even sure if I believe that as I say it out loud. So his war is high, his win over replacement coach. Yeah. Yeah. To the extent that it can't be measured. I, I remember something about like Rick Carlisle for whatever like crappy measurements they have for coaching added value has always like ranked among the highest in coaches. Okay, so he's let's making take a close final... to he's making close to three and three quarter million dollars a year. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, so he signed an extension on his original six year. I think it was six years and twenty two million original contract. Yeah. He signed an extension, but there was, the reports didn't say anything about whether the extension increased his salary or kept it the same. I have so, a feeling um, that he's going to be extended indefinitely for as long as. He wants as long to as stick he wants around. To be here. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I've got Tatum as the ninth highest asset. Where did he rank for you guys? He's ten for me, um, and then he's you know he's right next. He's right below KD, uh, right above the number one pick, and above you know Siakam and Bead and Dame Lillard. Uh, actually, he could he could potentially no. He's eleven because of um, Kemp, uh, Clay Thompson. I have Clay Thompson okay. and KD above him, so he's out of the top ten. I think I had him at eight, um, though something's not quite right. If I have Harden above him and Kawhi below him, I'm uh, yeah. I don't know. I got to figure that <laughs> out. Something something's off. I'm as I'm looking at it again. I think I should have gone with with my gut. I I feel like I feel better with Tatum over Zion right now even though Zion has a higher ceiling. So I'm going to put him Michael. at eight. So I, I, I have aggregate, a feeling that... 
I have a Go feeling, ahead, Mike, Josh. that when you actually look deeper into this and, and like next week you're going to come back and, and say, actually, no, no, Tatum's a top five asset in my book. It's, it's not impossible. <laughs> so to answer the question, is Jason Tatum a top 10 asset in the league? If you aggregate my nine, Mike's eight, and Josh's 11, the answer is yes. He's a nine point something. <laughs> it's just under the radar, squeaking in. Yeah, which is huge, which is huge compared to when we started the se- this season. That's remarkable to me. I'm shaking my head in disbelief. I'm just trying to think. Okay. I was doing like an NBA 2K franchise, and we were doing a snake draft. Yeah, I think there's a, a chance Tatum would be in my, my top five picks. That can be a, a separate hypothetical for another time. We have spent an hour now talking about this, far more than we expected. Uh, we had said in the intro that we would hit on the hypothetical of uh, players we wish the Celtics had, uh, but it seems to me like we should push that off to next week and ask all of our listeners to tune in again to hit to, to hear about that. Sounds like a plan. So- so if you have a player that you think the Celtics should take, we will reveal our list, but you can add your opinions to it. Um, and what are the, what are the uh, criteria for this, Mike? Yeah, Mike, tell us they more have what to, you were they can't about. Be, they can't be an all-star player, right? That's it's right. not like... That's right. We're, we're, not, we're not talking about all-stars, and uh, we're not talking about gimmicks. We're not talking about Boban. <laughs> we're not talking about another taco. Uh, we're talking about role players that would legitimately play at least 15 minutes per game for the Celtics. We're also not, for the purpose of this hypothetical, and much to the chagrin of Adam, who doesn't, whose brain is incapable of thinking this way, uh, we're not worrying about the salary cap. So we're literally just trying to figure out players, ideal role players for the Celtics in this hypothetical world where they can just grab any role player from any team that fits a position of need on the roster. See, I think Luca would look great coming off the bench as a role player. He's an all-star. Off off the list. Okay, hold on. Let me find somebody else on my list here. (laughs) I just think it's so ridiculous. Zion would would look great coming off the bench. He did look great coming off the bench for New Orleans. He would look great on our end, too. What, I mean... You know, Adam, we I need don't some think scoring game, punch. Right? Yeah, I don't understand, you know, Adam, why you're determined to play the game wrong, just to prove it's, a point. You get just the a, exercise. You, you can figure this fantasy. out. I believe in you. Yes, it's fantasy. It, Adam, need I remind you that there's why? literally no basketball being played, and there won't be for like at least two or three months. Best case scenario. Well, I... I Entertain I, some I, creativity here. I refuse yeah, to just actually, live... It's actually. I refuse like a to live in this. this that, like, <laughs> it's ahead. a blessing that we are able to create this kind of content for basketball fans out there, Adam. For you to to knock it down and and say it's ridiculous, you know, it's disheartening because we're living in a pandemic when we need some some hoops talk. You know, we need some yeah. fantasy in our lives right now, and this is not too much fantasy because we're asking about a role player. We're not asking you to pick your favorite player and put them on the Celtics like a video game. This is it's potentially something that that is not out of the realm of possibility. Jaron Jackson would look fantastic as a in the center rotation. Look, it, the, it the idea the, the idea that we would just make up the rules of okay, some other had to world. Play at least four seasons in the NBA. Let me finish. Let me finish. The idea that that there, that like we're not living in the reality of the current NBA climate, even one that doesn't have a a season going on right now, where the salary cap exists. I don't understand why we would even do that. So I I think I'm going to be playing with the actual rules of the NBA, thinking about who we could potentially trade for, who uh, might be a free agent. What and you're, and, and you're going to base that on what cap figure for next year, Adam? Uh, a, a, a general sense of of what is allowable based on <laughs> not knowing what the cap is. Because the cap itself is a fantasy right now. <laughs> it's not like Mike, I got a twin take. It's a collective bargaining issue. 
Mike, this is now you see now you see what I had to deal with my entire life growing up with a brother who was so stubborn and controlling that he couldn't entertain any kind of fantasy. He's my identical twin brother, Mike. Here's an example. This is actually I used explaining to want to play, a lot about the two of I used you. to want to play tricks on the teachers or at least see if we could like have someone take a test for the other person or something, right? Was it always Adam, Adam taking a even, test for you? It would have been, yeah. <laughs> But exactly, but exactly. Why would I have let Josh take a test for me? But Adam wouldn't ever entertain the idea of doing anything fun like that. It was not a part of what he believed in. It was like, you know, the idea that I would, that any, that anyone would think that he was me or I was him or that he would have his identity stolen from him was like the biggest thing in the world. Right. So we didn't really have any fun like that as a twin. And, And now all the listeners understand why. Well, as Pete Carroll said, you have to know what values you hold dear, what you truly believe in. And I've just always known it, Josh. Yeah, good I think plug. We end on that. Uh, I think we end on that. If, if I just dropped that mic. Heard, if you haven't heard the Flying Coach podcast uh, with Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll. On the, uh, on the Ringer Podcast Network. It is, it is a great podcast. Um, and, and Pete Carroll definitely dropped some knowledge on coaching. Um, so yeah, the, the, uh, uncompromising principles are definitely something that is important to have. I'm glad you have them, Adam. I'm proud of you for having them. Yeah. I just wish that we could have some fun every now and then. Hey, and on that, All right. <laughs> let's, let's see what's possible next, next week. Please listen in. This has been the Celtics pride podcast. Thank you for joining us. Rate review, subscribe. Peace out.